Hey everyone, welcome to the Cinema Hangover Podcast, where three completely unqualified individuals drink and talk about movies. And before we talk about the movie we're going to talk about today, that's a lot of talks in one sentence. Uh, what are we drinking today, Shannon? Well, I don't know about you, but I think I'm very qualified to be talking about movies. So. What are you talking <laughs> about? <laughs> You said three completely unqualified individuals. Yeah, I what, think I am very qualified. What are your qualifications? Okay, so Taylor. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> today we are drinking a Guinness Stout. I felt it just worked for the movie that we are watching. And while I open up my beer, why don't you tell us about the movie we're watching, Taylor? Yes, the movie that we're going to be talking about today is 1917. Released back in 29. Holy that shit. That did not sound right. <laughs> <laughs> That sounded horrible. I was trying to do it right after you said 1970. <laughs> you know, trying to like, get all time. This is get all time. Incoherent mess. <laughs> Taylor, tell us about the movie. Yes. So 1917 was released back in 2019. And uh, the synopsis of the film is that during World War One, two British soldiers, Lance Corporal Schofield and Lance Corporal Blake, receive seemingly impossible orders um, in a race against time. They must cross over into enemy territory to deliver a message that could potentially save 1,600 lives of, you know, the fellow combats. So, yeah, no, it's a pretty interesting film with the fact that one of the selling points is the fact that it's quote-unquote shot in a singular take or it's seemingly shown within a singular take even though once you actually watch the film and you understand certain editing techniques there are some points where you know they could do transitions yeah it is shot to appear like it is one take so you follow uh lance corporal corporal schofield who's played by george mckay Mm -hmm. and lance corporal blake played by dean charles chapman you follow them like every second of the movie it doesn't it doesn't really cut away from them or at least it's edited to look like that mm-hmm. um so it's kind of their journey to deliver this message to, to halt this attack that's going to happen um and added weight to it is that uh lance corporal blake his brother's also part of that of that troop that's about to go basically get ambushed mm-hmm. right yeah and just one of the first things i want to say about the film is that i've been anticipating the opportunity to actually watch the film for the longest time just because the concept of you know a singular shot film and after hearing the reception that it was so good i'm like mm-hmm. i need to watch this movie and and you waited a while you hadn't you like it came out recently a, yeah you just it. recently yeah. watched it. it came out what two two years ago a year ago three years ago I think. three yeah. years ago <clears throat> yeah time flies three years ago yeah 2019 yeah. a pre-covid world that's wow. right exactly exactly yeah and i wanted to check it out in theaters i just never got a chance to do it so um, when I had the opportunity to watch it recently, it was like, oh my god, this movie's fucking fire. And I wish I saw it in theaters. So, yeah, if that gives any early indication of my uh, thoughts on the film, no, I think this is definitely one of the best war movies of recent memory. And I'm just going to jump into it and say this could be on par with Saving Private Ryan in terms of like the way that it creates that visceral sense of the chaotic nature of war and the just the gritty griminess that that type of environment and views on the soldiers. And I think that it I think that it could also be like almost like a companion piece to Saving Private Ryan because this mm-hmm. is actually set in World War One. I. I mean yep. obviously from the date nineteen seventeen, whereas Saving Private Ryan is in World War Two. So it's like I don't think you I think you could watch them both, like back to back and have different experiences. Yeah. Because it is set in different times. Um but yeah this movie is uh a te- damn good movie. I was gonna say a masterpiece. That too, 
I think it's a technical marvel. I oh, think yeah. that it's it's you don't have to be a movie buff to think that this movie is pretty insane with what they've accomplished. Oh yeah. It it we watched Shannon and I just watched it again last night. We had seen it once in theaters when it came out. Mm-hmm. And uh even watching it a second time, I, I'm just blown away. Even even like really critiquing it and looking for all the flaws in it and how they edited it together, which you can if you're Really looking for it, you can find how they edit it, mm-hmm. all these shots But I together. gotta say, they do such a good job, because with our second time watching it, obviously we know the story, we know what's gonna happen. I mean, mm-hmm. we still enjoyed, thoroughly enjoyed watching it a second time. But I kind of went into it, like, wanting to catch when they were doing the cuts. Right. And wanted to, like, find those things, and it's, you can kind of tell when they're doing it, mostly because it's, like, you're like, that's really the only time they could do it. Mm-hmm. But they do it in such a clean way. Like, it's it's bizarre. You seemingly don't even realize that it's cutting. Yeah. Unless you're looking for it. Yeah. Um, and even then, like, there's probably sometimes where me and Oliver were like, that's got to be a cut, right? Like, mm-hmm. it, you kind of question it still because it's just so clean. There is really only, I think, one, maybe two times where the screen, like, you the camera shuts off air quotes and switches to a different scene. Yeah. And both of those times are when like an explosion or something happens and the character's perspective mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. goes away for a second. So it is, it is insane what they were able to do. And I think they run, ran the risk of making it boring or ma- having it feel like tedious and long. And some of the times it does feel that way intentionally, maybe not boring, but tedious because of the journey that these characters right. are going on. You feel and, like you're on the journey. Yeah, it feels you're right, right, tired right. with them um, right. because you literally every minute of the movie you are there with them going right. through it. But what I was going to say is the way that the director and the cinematographer, the director being Sam Mendes, oh yeah, uh, the way that they shoot the movie so the camera is in motion all the time, like go, like going around the character, zooming mm-hmm. in and out, following over shoulder. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bouquet that it'll do where it'll blur characters in the background or it'll keep the background busy. Like, all the different things that they do to make it interesting, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's pretty crazy. Like, it, it for a single-shot movie, you almost, I think, could forget that it's one single take. Right. It, I wonder if... Uh... Do you think that based on that, the way they shot the film, it's like you're an additional character just along in the journey type of deal? It almost feels that way. Obviously, yeah. it's not shot so that you are. Right. But right. it almost feels that way that you are like there with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It it's it is pretty incredible. I don't think that I've ever quite even other single take air quote single take movies that I've seen. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever seen a movie that pulls it off quite like Wait, this. Wait, what are other examples of single take movies? Because none are coming to mind. Uh, there's a couple. I would have to look up the name. There's there was one. I want to say. Can't remember what it was called. We can we can circle back to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a couple movies that are simulated to be shot in in a single take or like a single day or mm-hmm. night, um, and I don't think that any of them do it quite as well as this. Right. I think the additional element that makes this movie really stand out is the way that it effectively does an ebb and flow of intense action and uh, the points of. Like, allowing the experience to breathe and the characters to process that, it, like, what just happened. And I think it does an effective job of doing a mixture of both. Because <clears throat> after a lot of, like, the really intense, like, sequences that occur, the character, uh, which, uh, the Showfield is, like, the main one that um, gets carried across, like, the majority of the film. 
And there's a point where there's actually multiple points where he's like actually having a moment to like sit back and like take a breather after like getting chased by enemies and surviving a lot of the like ridiculousness that he's going through. And he's just processing the fact that he's just gone through hell and there's even more that he has to venture forth through. Well, and I think like unlike other movies, because you could you could easily have made this movie without it being a single shot mm. movie. I, you, you definitely could. Everything is there for it to be like a, a traditional air quotes, traditional movie mm -hmm. cut and edited and all that. And I think it would still be a good movie, even if that was the case, but because it's shot in this single take by the time you get to the end of it, and we haven't crossed into spoilers yet, so I won't say anything yet, but by the time you get to the end of it, I both times I've seen it now, I'm like physically exhausted right. with the character. You just like, because you have been by their side every second and experienced these horrible things. By the time the movie comes to an end, you're just like, Holy shit. Right. And, and again, no spoilers, but that last scene, it's just like, I, I'm tired too. And it's right. a it's a feeling that I don't think a lot of movies can pull off quite as well as this movie because of how it's crafted. You know, that, that's the thing. Like, it actually allowed for that experience of the exhaustion of going through that journey to coincide with the story. While oftentimes, like a lot of other movies, like say, I think Transformers is the first one that comes to mind for whatever reason. When you have a movie that has a lot of intense action and all that stuff, oftentimes an audience can get fatigued as a result of it, but this movie does it intentionally mm -hmm. in order to make sure that there's that sense of, you know, no, the character themselves are getting fatigued, so the audience is getting that connection of that emotional experience alongside with the character, so it gives mm -hmm. you that better immersion. Right. It's not in a way that it's like you're tired of the movie and just like, mm -hmm. it's just like you want it to be over with. It's just like whoa that was hell yeah. of a night yeah exactly and, yeah. Like and, you feel and i like think you're they, on that ride with them and exactly. i think that they could have easily run into it being tiring right. and not in the good way because mm -hmm. there is so much walking basically like the characters are literally walking from one point to another that's right uh so you easily could have i think run the risk of it being boring like a walking sim but because of the what they do with the camera because of what they do with the backgrounds and the way that it's shot and the action like the the action how it's peppered in mm -hmm. it really does keep it kind of at a pretty breakneck pace yeah no i agree with that and when i look up single take movies the one that i was thinking of isn't there but the revenant comes up and oh, i don't shit. think the revenant i don't remember the revenant being a single take movie there is a point right after ooh, maybe are they referencing single takes like sequences throughout the movie because like say for instance the bear attack scene is like a singular shot and then when he's getting like you know well movies have single takes all like somewhat frequently and i mean like a, another action movie i can think of off the top of my head is john wick has tons of single take right. moments where the camera's just following him as he goes through it but mm -hmm. i guess the movie that i'm thinking of maybe doesn't even exist maybe it wasn't a single take movie actually and i just right. it has a really long single take in it right i think that 1917 if Right out the gate, if you're into war movies, and maybe not even if you're into war movies, maybe if you just are into movies or action movies, it's definitely a movie that everyone should watch. Yeah, if you're if you're the type of moviegoer who wants a movie that gives you a emotional experience that's actually worthwhile mm -hmm. and allows you to connect with the characters, this is one of the best experiences out there, especially in like recent times, because you really go through this emotional journey with this character. And you feel for him. Well, it's... and I, I think it's, I think the other thing that always blows my mind when I, I've seen this movie is, 
one, I've never heard of either of these actors before. Right. Um, it uh, Dean Charles Chapman or George McKay, who are, I guess, 100% of the movie. It is yeah. with them, 100% yeah. of the movie. And they have to do these long takes, obviously, because it is you know simulated a single-shot movie. Mm-hmm. They have to do these long takes, and none of it ever feels uh, artificial. None of it ever feels like they're trying to hit points or mm-hmm. hit spots um, or it, it's super scripted or anything. And I think that that is... A crazy feat in and of itself. Yeah, like the way that we act to like certain uh, experiences, and this might actually start diving into spoiler territory. So I'm just going to straight up right now say, "Here's some spoilers that might pop up." So <laughs> at this point forward, yeah. we'll move into the spoiler territory. Then. Exactly, exactly. There's a point in well, the Dean, vi- Dean Charles Chapman was in Game of Thrones. Oh, really? Dean Charles Chapman was. What I know his. I know his I know his air quotes, and I know in his in the movie his brother. Um, Played by Richard Madden is in Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. but I didn't know that Dean Charles Chapman was. Oh, maybe I do. It says he is. What character did he play? Oh, I'm looking that up right now. Cool, cool. Well, as you're looking it up, um, one of the major, like first initial, I would say, like major sequences is at one point when Blake and Schofield are going th- across enemy lines into the Germans trenches in order to get past into the point that they, they go to. across no man's land no man's land that's right yeah and they go into the german trenches and going underneath their basically their barracks and they are trying to make sure they're not triggering any traps that they have laid there's a point where they accidentally trigger a trap and a rat a rat a rat, a rat, a rat yeah. triggers it and yeah. the next thing you know they're like fuck boom and that whole like explosive sequence of them having to escape the cave-in and them trying to like get out as quickly as possible while Schofield's basically like shell-shocked. It is awesome. It is He's a- like suffocating. He's like choking on dirt and has dirt in his eyes and yeah, it's it's an that's a crazy sequence. Right. And one of the, just real quick, one of the things that I've learned when it comes down to films is often credited quite a bit is that an action sequence is an opportunity to reveal elements of a character. And what that sequence showed case was how Blake was that type of soldier that doesn't leave a man behind type of deal. And no, regardless of how risky and how like dangerous that whole situation was, he was not going to leave Schofield behind. Well, and I think that's part, I think that's part of the other, that's, that's another aspect of the movie that really works for me mm-hmm. is that in a movie that is a single take, you don't really have the opportunity to have the, to have exposition dumps. Right. You don't really have the opportunity for, for Blake to be like, you know, put his hands at his hips and be like, oh, Schofield, you know me. I've got five kids at home and right. I'm do." you know, that doesn't really exist naturally in it, mm-hmm. but it's pretty crazy what they are able to show you through action and through like dialogue and dialogue and, yeah. and natural moments. I mean, even just with Blake is adamant about wanting a medal. He like really wants a medal mm-hmm. and it's clear without like really saying it until it's revealed later on that Schofield has a medal, but doesn't like show it. Mm-hmm. And you kind of learn that Schofield has gone through some trauma mm-hmm. and that he's not super proud of the medal that he has and that that doesn't really matter to him. He has other things that are more important than medals. Which I like how it creates that additional, I guess, subplot of like the differences between characters. Like one's a bit new and one's a bit more veteran. Yeah. And as the story is shown over time, it actually does reveal more of the backstory of Schofield and like the context behind and their And their relationship career. feels super, very real. Like, yeah. they're, like they're friends. And the other thing that's... They, they just the movie's very clever with how the environment pulls interactions out of, out yes. of the characters. Like they go through a, a cherry tree field at one point that's mm. been chopped down, 
and Blake begins to tell Schofield about how when he grew up or how there's a bunch of different types of cherries. Now he grew up, mm-hmm. he worked on a farm or something. Mm-hmm. And you, it's kind of passed over as like a casual dialogue. But then at the end when, and again, we're in spoiler territory, Blake has already died. Schofield is flowing down a river and he, he uh, floats into like a, a cherry tree that's falling its petals. Mm-hmm. And that's like a super cool moment too. That's sad. That's kind of like this, the journey that he's on. It's, it, it gives him like the power to push forward because it's for his friend. Right. And just like moments like that, I think are pretty cool. Cause it, again, it doesn't feel like it's really written in or forced. Mm-hmm. It's, it feels like a natural moment. And I think that's the other thing about this one take approach that adds to the overall experience and why I think it is much better. The fact that it's a one take and having it done in a traditional edited fashion may have detracted from the overall quality of the film because it, forces the filmmakers to create those natural organic experiences and moments where the characters reveal themselves through action and dialogue that would make sense versus exposition or some of the more you know cliched approaches that's been happening more and more in recent movies but yeah no that i think that's the other element too that just makes it feel much more real and I appreciate that. Yeah. There was one thing that I was noticing that I had pointed out to Oliver. Like, mm. it might be a weird thing that I noticed, but mm-hmm. the things that they were doing in the background to kind of, like, just the small little details to kind of make it feel like stuff was still going on when stuff mm. wasn't going on. Like, for example, there was a scene where they shoot out the flare. Mm, yeah. It's a good t- 20 seconds after the fact. They kind of move on from the whole flare thing. But you see the flare dropping in the background. Right. Or yeah. there's another scene where there's two planes and they see the planes go by. Again, another 20, 30 seconds goes by and you see the planes in the background. Like, that didn't need to be there. Nobody would have ever, ever thought of anything that that just disappeared. Right. But having it in there was just such a cool thing. Well, I think it does two things. I think the first thing that it does is it makes... Even when they're just talking and walking, it makes the, the there's still something going on in the frame, right? Which is interesting. But I think the second part is is it really emphasizes that they are really just two people in this war, and there's a ton of other like they right. are really ants in on in the ant hill type of thing. Like there is a million other things going on. Even when they're walking, there's uh, like people all around them at points, and people doing their own things. It's not like they aren't Frodo and Sam. Right. They, although they are doing kind of a similar journey, I right, guess, right. in that way, they are very much two people that are just doing their own thing while there is a bunch of other people doing right, their own right. thing. Right, right. Instead as well. of the film like having creating this isolated bubble where you just like the world revolves around them, it's quite the opposite. The world is existing outside of them and they're just trying to do their Traverse mission. it. Exactly. And that's actually a really good point. And I think by having those elements uh, that Shannon just mentioned earlier, you know, having the flare, like, you know, showcasing the shot while they're still walking and talking and then the planes, like, fighting each other. And even in sequences later where, like, the German soldiers are, you know, corralling around the town, hunting down to see if there's any survivors. Like, those elements just add that sense of additional reality to the film that, hey, this is a snapshot of the world itself type of deal. Yeah. And <clears throat> that adds to the whole one shot uh experience and adding greater rate to it like make taking full advantage of what it can offer so yeah no it's it's those nice little details making go like yeah and i think i also think that what they choose to do 
with the cinematography and the shots mm. is also really genius. I mean, there's so many moments in this movie that are forever just burned, burned. into yeah. my brain. I mean, the the obvious one is at the very end when uh, uh, Schofield is decides to run across the field in basically as all the other soldiers mm-hmm. are attacking the Germans. He runs across the field, and it's this, I guess, obviously a single take, but the camera is panning away from him as he's running towards the camera. Mm-hmm. And he's sprinting, he's running into people and falling, and explosions are going off, and it's... Complete chaos. It's yeah. chaos. It's, it, it's a... And all I can imagine is the director is like, all right, run. And yeah, then... run. Well, and that's what <laughs> happened. What happens, that's, happens. If that you is fall, literally what happened. Fall. I don't, like, like he, apparently he wasn't planning to run into people. He well, just, like... And that's kind of what I was, when I was watching it, I was like, mm-hmm. how much you want to bet, like these falls weren't planned it was just like everyone just run and what yeah, happens go happens. and they have and you think about because those are real explosions that they were setting off you yeah. think about mm-hmm. how they only have certain amount of ta- like okay this is our only take run and yeah. that's it like and it's crazy it but i mean there's moments like that but then there's also moments where he's in the town and the germans are shooting flares and the way that yeah. the flares arc across the sky and cast shadows it's mm-hmm. almost like time is yeah. passing and it's just it's just crazy. I'm sitting here and you can't see my face if you're listening, but I'm just grinning because I can sit here and I can go through it. And it's, it really is amazing what they were able to do in this format. Right. Mm-hmm. And this type of film and what it was able to display and utilize as a result of this method, I want to see other films do this because mm-hmm. I really think this is something that can be tapped in further. And you mean I, other films do this like single takes? Yes. Now, as I say this, my immediate concern is that, okay, this might get abused easily and become a cliche, but it can, I, I do want to see more films or at least other properties explore what a single take uh, film can actually capture because it feels much more intimate with the characters. It offers that type of closer relationship between the characters and audience. I just feel like it's very risky mm, it- and... I don't know if everybody could pull it off. Well, mm. I think there's so many factors that have to go into it being successful. Like, yeah. it, it it probably has to be one of the, if not the most, one of the most challenging ways to make a movie. Because when you think about it, they have to cut. You right. can't film nonstop. And you think about the cameras that you're moving through crowds and the camera angles. Like, you have to chain, find creative ways to move the camera without obviously having your camera crew in the mm-hmm. shots and... The, and then when you do cut, you have to take photos of all of your actors and make sure that when you start shooting again, they're in the exact same place and that they look exactly, exactly the, same. the same. The makeup yeah. is the exact same. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember reading an interview with Sam Mendes and talking about how they just had to take like hundreds of photos of the actors after each shot because they have to get them looking exactly, exactly the same. Because if they pass behind a tree and they come out the other side and they look even slightly different as a viewer, you'll pick up on it. it and I will say... Not once did I pick up on any of those inconsistencies. And that just, I would say, owes to the level of professional skill that these guys have in regards to being able to maintain that level of consistency across the board. Mm -hmm. And, woo, like, as you were just mentioning, I didn't realize they had to go to that level just to be able to maintain that consistency. But I can see that, and that makes sense. Right. Yeah, I bet, like, from an editing standpoint, this must have been crazy. It really really did have to be i just gotta circle back yeah uh because it's actually kind of weird he's the youngest baratheon he was king joffrey's little brother so when king joffrey died oh. he became he oh. I do remember. super little yep damn like it's kind of crazy that that's him 
I do remember you're 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 talking about Dean Charles Chapman. Yeah, I do remember yeah. that. He's, what was it? It's I don't know how to pronounce it. Tom Tomlin. 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 I think it was Tomlin. Wow, he grew up. That's pretty crazy. But really, both of them. I mean, besides that, that's a small role. I would say, looking at both of their IMDb's, they really haven't done that many big movies. Oh no, this I is mean... their biggest movie, and I they nailed it. Oh, they fucking killed it. Wait, they didn't killed it? Didn't this win a couple of awards? I I'm, yeah, it did. I'm, it had to I'm pretty sure. I it hope did. so. I think it won Best Picture, didn't it? Didn't I think so? I don't know if it did. I think because I think it was or it was robbed. I think it was. A nom- I swear to God, if it was nominated robbed. for it, but it didn't. Um, was this the year that Parasite came out? Oh, Academy oh. Award for Best Cinematography, oh, yeah. Best Sound Mixing, and Best Direction. From BAFTA. Oh, nice. there's actually a, oh, there's a lot. I can't even But know. they didn't win Best Picture, but it was Best Cinematography. That's, that's that what works. I was thinking of. Yeah. That and, works. And totally deserved. <laughs> yeah. it, it really is crazy. And I, again, I think you run the risk of this being... It, it could have been like inaccessible in the sense of like it could have been almost like art housey or tedious, or like, oh, you have to be a film buff to appreciate this. You think so? I think a single-take movie could run into that risk. Fair. Because of just what it is. But this movie, the way that it's paced, the acting, just everything from top to bottom is, I would say, like, perfect. Mm -hmm. Right. And also, I think the other thing, too, is that the multiple, I would say, it has a bit of, like, a mysterious element where it, as you go through the film, it's revealed more of the characters and a bit of the backstory behind Showfield particularly. And I think that's one of those elements like that helps carry the film forward. Like, you know, the subplots that keep the audience like, okay, like what is this going on about this character and stuff? So yeah, it's, it's really good. It's really good at, you know, you know, right off the bat what the mission is, Mm -hmm. but it's really good at, at keeping tension and mystery throughout the whole thing. Whether, whether you even really know that it's doing it or not. I mean, it could be as much as, you're, it's clear from the beginning that's, that Schofield has some secrets, mm-hmm. has some things that he's not really talking about, and he's not really letting anyone in, being, I guess, Blake, the only other person, mm-hmm. who's the contrary. Blake is very talkative and open, whereas Schofield isn't. So there's kind of a mystery there, but throughout multiple scenes, there's also like little bits of tension and mysteries that occur. Like when they go, when they cross no man's land, that whole thing is tense, obviously, because mm-hmm. you know it's no man's land and they could have been shot and mm-hmm. all of that. But then when they get into No Man's Land, the first thing that they do is they kick over a can and there's hot ashes inside of it. And so they're like, okay, the Germans couldn't have left that long, that long ago. ago. That and then that just creates tension. Right. And then they go into the bunker and they find a trip wire and that creates tension. Right. And it's like, like the, the way that the movie up, yeah. naturally keeps the tension going from start to finish, it, it's genius. It mm-hmm. really is. And there's multiple moments like that that happen. And it, it again, I think that if it was wasn't in the hands of this director this team this story this setting all of that i think it could be tedious true but it's not right because they incorporated the right elements in order to keep the audience invested and be able to maintain that level of i would say well just the ebb and flow of like the film experience to give them that you know anticipation you know pay off and then decline and then just like go from there but i did want to make a point that uh it, it i do appreciate films that have a bit of like a parallel like opening and ending because you know it's pretty cool and it's interesting how like at the opening of the film Schofield and Blake are just chilling at the tree and they get woken up and that's what starts the film and at the very end Schofield finds a tree to rest at for a second I thought he was going there to die I thought he was like he was and, so fucked well, up and, <laughs> like, he was going and a very cool parallel to what you're saying yeah. is in the beginning when Schofield and Blake 
uh, are resting by a tree and wake up, they're in a green grassy field with a fully bloomed tree. Right. And when they end, he's in a dead field with a dead tree. Right. And that's why. That's why. Very cool parallel. He's obviously tired and beaten and broken. And then he lays down next to the tree and pulls out the picture of his wife and kids. And you find out that that is like what pushes him. Right. And uh, for a second there, like I legitimately thought after him getting, did he get shot? I thought he got shot. He did. Yeah, he got shot. Yeah, he got shot. He got bopped in the head. He got freaking ripped apart by going down the river. He was beyond exhausted. All this shit. He ran miles. He got blown the fuck up. Like this man is a Terminator at this point. And he is for sure going to get shell-shocked. But the fact that he's sitting by the tree, like, finally completed his mission, exhausted. I'm like, is this man going to die? (laughs) No! And then he pulls out the picture, and it's like, maybe this keep living, man. Keep living, you're a damn good soldier. (laughs) You find out what, like, kind of what gives him the strength to keep going. That, again, is one of those things where I appreciate the film taking its time to reveal those elements of the character. Because it not only keeps the audience invested, but... It really just adds more, just gives you more care for the character. You, like, root for him as a result. And then you watch the film again. It's like, holy shit, you know? Like, this is fun. It it adds to the experience, yeah. It's an exhausting experience to watch. Not in a bad way. Right. In an intentional, good way. It's an exhausting experience to watch. And as soon as it's over, I'm, like... I'm so satisfied and happy, although it ends in a sad way, that I'm down to watch it again. See, that's the thing... It's satisfying despite how dramatic and just like it is not satisfying because it's like happy and and you know tied up nicely with a bu- like a bow. Right. It's satisfying for different reasons. Right. It's satisfying. It's a satisfying story experience. Yeah. And one of the other things that came to mind is that kind of creating that parallel between like uh, Saving Private Ryan and another movie we've had the chance to discuss before, which is a uh, Top Gun Maverick. Is that I'm noticing with some of these films is that, you know, the plot line of you have a mission, it's insanely impossible, but we have to do it. Go make it happen. And then you have these team of like, you know, soldiers that are revealing the characters over the course of like going through this journey of doing the mission. And I'm noticing this, this consistency of these films having pretty damn good reception as long as the execution solid of, you know, it's a simple plot. But it's the journey itself that really just reveals a lot of characters. And that's like one of the best through lines with any good story. I think it's so simple that it could fail epically. True. But but handled the right way, like those examples you just gave, Mm -hmm. it can be, instead of failing epically, it can be epic. Mm. What does it take to make a damn good story? What is it that you need to cut out and what is it that you need to keep in? What are those essential elements that keeps it good? And I think think, Dean's an example of that as well. It has a lot more to do, although not completely, in my opinion, has a lot more to do with how you tell the story mm. than it does with the story itself. Like the execution sure. aspect. And yeah. I think that 1917 is a great example of something where if you were to write it down and present it to somebody, you'd be like, well, that's nothing super special. Okay, we've seen this a hundred times. But because of how it is portrayed and shown and acted and you know everything involved, it really is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And so I guess that'll make bring me to my next question, which is, do you feel like this movie, which was extremely hyped, it it's it won a bunch of awards that we just discussed. Do you feel like the hype was deserved? Pass up Shannon, because... Oh, for sure. I mean, this movie was amazing. Mm-hmm. Just in so many ways. It was a good story. Not Again, not like anything crazy happened. Right, right. But it, 
was a fun story to follow. Maybe fun's not the right word. <laughs> Engaging. <laughs> Engaging yeah. story to follow. And I just think everything that went into making this film is like, I mean, we don't even know the freaking half of it. Right. They did such a good job. Right. I mean, that's really all I can say. They did an amazing job. It was definitely deserved. Yeah, I need to watch, like, behind the scenes for this one. Cause yeah, I would love to watch the behind the scenes. We really should have. Yeah, yeah, I have watched some of the behind the scenes, yeah. especially with that um, ending that... scene. Yeah. And it's just, it's just crazy. It's cra- I mean, y- there's so much that you don't think, and I won't move off the tangent too long before I hand it back to you, Taylor, to, to give what you think the hype if it was deserved or not, but there's so much that goes into it that you don't even catch on to. Right. Like, how the camera moves how the camera, like, in No Man's Land, how it moves across the lake. Mm. And it, it literally goes across the lake, and you don't even really realize that. Right. Like, it floats across the lake without causing ripples. And you look at it, and there's no dolly or anything in right, the lake right. when you go into So it's it's just crazy how how it what they were able to accomplish. Right. Yeah, like, how did they do that? That's why they call it, like, what was it, movie magic. Yeah. Because it really is, a, like, an illusion in of itself. So it's and pretty I just think about, like, how are they just walking through that small trench, not bumping into each other and right. shaking the camera? Like, mm-hmm. it's a small-ass trench. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, and there's a ton of, yeah, there's a ton of moments like that, bumping into all the extras, or how no one look into the camera, any of the extras, or, it, it, yeah, it, it, there's so much that could have not gone right, and it just, it's executed perfectly. So, what do you think, Taylor? Oh, dude, this movie. Because you hadn't seen it until we actually, I mean, I guess, spoiler alert, we yeah. had talked about, before we even decided we were going to do this episode, Shannon and I were like, oh, we should talk about 1917. And you hadn't seen it. Yeah. And so you just recently watched it. And so mm-hmm. I'm kind of curious to hear. Oh, dude, I think this is by far one of the best, like, war movies I've ever seen. Did Shannon and I hype it up too much? No. Like, the thing was, like, I was already hyped about the film before it, we even talked about it. So I was already excited to watch it. And then hearing your guys' feedback from the film, I was like, oh, shit, this is going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. So getting a chance to actually sit down and actually watch the film, I'm like, this is by far one of the best war movies in, like, this decade. Uh, well, actually, last decade, I should say. But it is top-notch. Like, again, that's why I keep saying it's on par with Saving Fire Ryan because the amount of, I would say, intensity, drama, the sense of connection with the characters, and also the amount of effort that was put into, like, I would set, I bet, the historical accuracy of, like, the uniforms, the behaviors, the... Uh, the environment, all those different elements to make it a World War One experience, like all of those things, really, just makes this film stand out. And just the additional element of like the one shot takes, just like, just adds to it. So this film is fucking gold, and I, I yeah, the hype was definitely, definitely deserved. Uh, yeah, if it's not obvious, I obviously feel <laughs> the same. I feel the exact same way. I don't think I could put it better than how you just put it. It's it absolutely deserves any accolade in in a war that it gets. It, mm-hmm. It's it is that good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like anyone who is even skeptical about this film, this this should just like convince you. Just watch the goddamn movie. Yeah, if it sounds, <laughs> if you uh, are okay with watching war movies, and it sounds even remotely interesting, you should just go watch it. Hell, even if you like just dramas in general like dramatic like tenacious movies just watch it yeah 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 it, it's watch it on the biggest screen that you can watch it on watch it in 4k if you can watch just basically get like the best sound system the best quality picture because it is it is worth it it is that good i think this is like a perfect movie and i'm Ooh. trying to think Ooh. 
about, like, when you say this, like, just go watch it. Can you see how maybe this movie wouldn't work for somebody and why? Because I can't see that. I just mm. think everyone would like it. But obviously, there's probably people out there that wouldn't. And why don't you think they would? That's an interesting question. I think, I think that the one-shot take could exhaust people. I'm trying to think of the right word. Yeah, I think that's the only thing that's coming to mind, too, is like it can exhaust people. Yeah, there's a nitrogen ball in it. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah, yeah, they it's, have nitrogen ball. It's how to keep. Uh, that's what enables Sorry, it to guys, go through. There was something moving around in my drink, and I she just tried to pause the podcast. I got scared. Uh, <laughs> hey, a little fun fact for everybody at home: uh, Guinness has a nitrogen ball in it, which mm-hmm. Shannon just discovered, and she said Guinness many times. I actually have never had Guinness out of a can. I, out of, you, yeah, you've had Guinness. You just haven't had it out of a can. It's always been poured into a glass. That scared me. Okay. <laughs> I thought there was like a mouse in my can. A mouse? Okay, all right. That was a thing going on for a while. Like in oh, Red Bull brother. cans. brother. Anyways. How the hell does it? Okay. Uh, I think the one shot take, <laughs> I think the one shot take could exhaust people. I think it could be tedious for some people. I I do. I mean, I again, I don't agree. Yeah. But yeah. I think that in a, in a, Time when we live with these giant blockbuster movies that just blow out the box office. If that is, that's a lot of people's only movie experience is like the Marvel movies, the giant blockbuster hits. This movie does, it it can be plotting at times intentionally, 100% intentionally. But I think that some people could, could, you know, be like, oh my gosh, get to the next point or like expect more action out of it maybe oh my god see okay hold and on, this is hold again on. this is not me saying no, no, that fair, I, fair, agree, fair. I agree but i i think that there could be people that think it is you know like if someone really wanted to find a means or no, i just think to like not like the movie that would be the point that they would try to introduce and i would tell them they were dumb <laughs> <laughs> just you're, kidding everyone has the right to their own you're movie. yeah right, i right. mean let's think of the person that has like never watched they've only ever seen uh this isn't a dig, but let's just—they've only ever seen Transformers and um, Marvel movies, mm. and that's their—you know—they are like at the skin deep level of movies. And again, that's not a dig. Do you think they would love this movie? Fuck because yeah. I think it would. I think it's. I think it could be challenging for some people. I think the movie is effective enough in being able to showcase how you can have. I would say this was a movie that is a bridge from. The action spectacle of you know Transformers and like Marvel movies and blockbusters into the more character driven, more in depth type movies. Like this is the. Bridge I think that everybody can acknowledge. I'll say this. I think everyone can acknowledge that this is at least a good movie, whether you like it or not. Right. I don't think that everyone will love it. I don't think everyone will love it as much as we do. Right. Okay. I, I can That's kind of that. what I'm saying. Yeah, I can agree with that. The the appreciation that we have for it, maybe not everyone shares, but it is. I think everyone can agree that there are that they can hang on to a couple moments at least that are really really fucking cool. Yeah. No, I can agree with that. Yeah. That was actually kind of perfect. Shan just cracked open a new one. You're not scared of the nitrogen ball or not? Well, now that I know it's a nitrogen ball, I'm not scared. Real quick, I just wanted to point one particular scene that keeps rewinding in my mind that really stood out. That I would say is one of the pivotal scenes in the movie when he cuts his hand on barbed wire and then sticks his hand into a dead body oh my god okay that, that, <laughs> but that was fucking fun. i thought that was actually the thing that was gonna kill him that's the uh, okay 
Just, all <laughs> I can just, think about is all the diseases. Yeah, yeah I was like, can we just list the shit that this man has gone through? Like, he's been blown up. His hand got cut and placed into a dead body. That's like sepsis and all that shit that's gonna go in there. He's gotten shot at. His The back of his head was fucking bleeding. He's gotten b- shot in the head while he's wearing a helmet, so concussion. He's been smacked about in a river and fucking almost drowned. He's exhausted. He's... Also got blown the fuck up. I went across basically the front lines of trenches. Hypothermia. Hypothermia. Like, that's why I thought at the end, this man is dead. Like, the adrenaline is gone. It was gone like 20 minutes ago. He is dead. I'm like, fuck. Like, this man is a fucking Terminator. (laughs) I cut you off, though. You were were about to say a moment that stuck in your head. Yeah. So, one of the uh, early sequences, this hits about, I would say, basically the third of the film where they're witnessing the plane battle that's happening. So they just got past No Man's Land. They're walking across and about to hit this farm house in the middle of a field. And they see this battle happening between one of the Allied planes and one of the German planes. And they're like, oh, shit, okay, it looks like the... Two. Oh, it was two, yeah, yeah, two Allied planes. And one German plane, actually. Perfect, perfect. And there was a point of like, okay, it looks like everything's going well. They're winning. Holy shit, they are. And like, oh, that plane's going down. Oh, it's going down towards... Oh, fuck! And the plane is actually heading directly towards them. And as they escape the, you know, the immediate vicinity of its crash, they recognize the pilot's still alive. And Blake... Well, even yeah. even just really quick to add to yeah. that, like, even the way that that, that scene is shot is really cool because mm-hmm. it's shot, again, from their perspective because the camera can't just fly into the sky and go to them necessarily. Right. So it's shot from their perspective. You see the two Allied planes shoot the German plane down, and, and our two characters that we're following are like, oh, cool. Like, yeah, they got him. And you see the German plane descend beneath the hill. Mm-hmm. And then they start to, like, hear it get louder. And then it comes up over the hill right. towards them and crashes into the barn. And, and then it proceeds to the scene that you're about to talk about. But even that is cool. Like, yeah. it descends and they think everything's cool and it just keeps getting louder. And then it comes up over the hill as it's, you know, on fire about to crash. I watched it twice, and even the second time it fooled me, because, like, mm-hmm. when it crashes, it looks like it's far away. Right. Like, it doesn't look like it's anywhere near them, and they're like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's why I do appreciate that on-the-ground, like, type of experience, because it really mm-hmm. adds to that, ah, oh, fuck, like, this is some crazy shit happening type of deal. But right afterwards, and this really is another example of a character-defining moment when it comes down to what happens afterwards. So, Blake goes up to the uh, the burning cockpit and recognizes oh shit the pilot's still alive and this is the german pilot that's like you know about to get burned alive and he's like ah shit we should save him because he's already gotten beaten down let's save him so he drags him out and you know helps him put the fire out and show feels like this is not a wise idea this is the enemy and you know blake is trying to convince Schofield to like help well, like, yeah blake is actually like Blake tells Schofield, go get water, go get water. Like, right. he needs water. And then the perspective of the camera follows Schofield or Schofield, whatever, in, instead of Blake. And right. that's when it gets to the moment that you're about to talk about. Right. So when Schofield is about to, you know, get the water, he hears a scuffle outside. And then he runs out and recognizes that the German soldier actually stabbed Blake. And, you know, he, like, says, fuck this. And just, he like, immediately blows, blows him away. away. Yeah. yeah. And then Blake, in that moment of, you know... He's shocked, stunned. He realizes, like, oh, fuck. And that the next moment where Blake is recognizing he's dying and Schofield is, like, trying to, like, assess the situation. They have the first aid, trying to, uh, like, suture him and everything. But, nah, that's a, a kill wound type of deal. And Blake, in his dying moments, is, you know, that exchange, that... Whew, 
It's heavy. It's heavy. Yeah. But it's so well done. Yeah. It, and it, it's heavy, and you can see you can see the struggle on Schofield's face as he's trying to like pull him away, and he mm-hmm. can't like pull him away, and he's in Blake is in pain, mm-hmm. and he's bleeding out, and honestly, it's crazy what they were able to do because obviously he can't touch him up with makeup while he's being filmed in this one shot mm-hmm. but how yeah, he loses how his color do that it's got to be editing it's got yeah, yeah, it to be editing. Editing. Yeah. they did so well at that because he's, he's getting pale by the second yeah. he's gushing blood yeah. out of his abdomen where he's stabbed and it's it really is it, it again i can't i've used the word crazy so many times in this podcast but it really is crazy and it's super sad and it's really fucked up and the, the added element to that and the reason i say it's character defining is that it showcases how blake is that type of character who Regardless of even the alliance of the individual, he values human life to that degree that he'll save it regardless of, you know, the circumstances. But because of that moral, like, those principles, it actually, unfortunately, it led to his death. And some could argue it's, like, naivete, or some could argue that, you know, that principle, like, there should be some leniency with that because that's the German enemy, like, and that's the thing that Schofield exercised because he's an experienced soldier. Because he recognizes that, oh, shit, you know... This is the enemy. One way or another, you have to take him out. And goddamn, this reminded me of certain scenes from Saving well, Ryan. Yeah, well, I mean, I it mean, it sounds like Schofield. Sh- I don't know. I feel like it was Schofield, but I don't. I could be wrong. It, it sounds like he has seen some shit, mm-hmm. and Blake, well, he talks briefly and about really that too. Hasn't. And yeah. so he is kind of naive to the whole thing. Like, right. He hasn't really seen the same things that Schofield has. Like well, and, and, a, I mean, yeah. and, and I mean, Schofield's way of showing that German, you know, we're, we're going on a bit of a tangent now, right. but uh, Schofield's way of showing uh, uh, mercy to that German soldier is he immediately pulls out his gun and he's like, all right, we should put him out of his misery. That's like how he, right. that's his way of showing mercy. And that's how he wants to handle it. And Blake's like, no, 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 go get him water. Right. And then it's when he goes to get him water that he hears the scuffle as he, you know he turns around he pivots and blake is gripping his stomach and you see the knife pull out right and then oh. he immediately blows Schofield immediately blows him away i just two bullets in him and blows the german away i just realized how this is a parallel to saving private ryan fuck so well there's the scene in saving private ryan where they have the german sh- soldier yeah. that they've captured and they're gonna kill him mm-hmm. and then though i don't remember who it, it was it was but, like the one guy like one of the members of the team that's being followed throughout the course of the film says no let him live and as a result of that he finds out that he was responsible for the death of i think one of his teammates and that's when later on in the film when he finds that out he just blasts him away and that's another example of that where it basically introduces the message that in the environment of war there is a point where humanity and the compassion for it may need to be superseded because or may has to be like reserved because you're dealing with the enemy who may not share that same level of compassion right. and or you have to exercise a ridiculous amount of like caution and i think so. it just is more of like uh a showcase of how everyone just kind of loses their humanity in it and right. you don't have you no longer can treat people with that type of mercy but right. then at the same time you kind of have to because they are you as well there's a lot of like right. the, the it makes you have a lot of respect metaphor. for our military men oh yeah and women oh fuck yeah like this is the other thing too where this, they also added aspect of world war one and two were the type of conflicts that there was a lot of just like extra level shit that made people go the extra mile mm-hmm. of you know what scorched earth and all those various elements that existed and there are examples of like heck, and from a historical context, like say for instance, in, I believe this was World War Two. No, 
may have been World War One, one of the two, where there was a point where in trench warfare, yeah, it must have been World War One, where both sides during the Christmas time they actually put down the guns and actually converse with each other and actually like relax and like actually hung out during the Christmas like Christmas night, and then the next day they basically had to. Well, got to kill each other again. Well, this is the same war where chemical warfare was not outlawed. Right. Yet, and this is the same war where planes would literally just drop bricks out and just right. smash people. Right, 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 right. And that's the thing is that... Trench. I'm laughing. It's, hor- it's not right, right. funny at all. But it's this idea of it, yeah. The, it, the cruelty. And that's the thing, too. Is this, that little moment just adds to the discussion of at what point is compassion allowed, or not just allowed, but even something that you should exercise in the midst of conflict. Yeah, when is when is compassion strength and when does it become weakness? Exactly, because as with anything, it's like there's a double-edged sword element to it. And there might be those who are like, you know, the cold-blooded, like, oh, he's the enemy, just take him out. And some people would argue like, oh, that's so heartless. But it's like, do you understand conflict and war? Where you may have that heart of gold, but the, your enemy's not. And they're going to abuse that and they're going to kill you as a result. And this could be the example of that. I feel like... Every war movie portrays that, though. Like, if yeah. you really think about it, yeah. there's always that one person that is trying to be compassionate. Mm-hmm. And then there's the other one, like, no, you can't. Right. Now, there yeah, is the... Oh, sorry. It's just crazy. Now, there is the movie um, Hacksaw Ridge that immediately just came to mind. I haven't seen it yet, but it's about the pacifist, like, medic that existed during like, World War II. And I'm wondering if that film is, like... like I Again, I haven't seen it, but I wonder if that film is, like, the counter-argument to that aspect of you know being the compassionate soldier can be done if you do it this way type of deal yeah i'm not sure if that is the case yeah i mean i've seen that and i can't really remember i'm trying to remember hacksaw ridge um it's the true story of the medic that like saved a bunch of people off of hacksaw ridge basically oh and he like he he didn't shoot a gun gun yeah yeah and he was a pacifist yeah (sighs) i feel like we're going Way <laughs> off the rails. Right, right. We're just uh, on war movie this, discussion. Yeah, right we're now. Just now became the <laughs> me, war movie. Me and Oliver went through a phase where I had never seen a war movie ever, and then we just watched. <laughs> I just showed her all the, all the war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had to stop because I was having some biz- fun fact. I have really crazy vivid dreams, oh, and shit. I was having some bizarre. <laughs> she dreams. was having fucking Vietnam flashbacks. <laughs> <the> same. <laughs> was They're not, in the trees. It was not okay. Oh my gosh. At all. <laughs> Anyway, I guess I guess that I do have a question. Though. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just kind of off tangent, but um, when Blake is dying, mm-hmm. and he looks up and he's like, "Am I dying?" Yeah. And Schofield doesn't say anything. I was like waiting for him to say something. Doesn't he say yeah? No, he doesn't. I thought he pauses for a he long pauses, time. He pauses, but then... I don't think he says anything. I don't remember i thought he's i thought he paused for a long time and then said yes I oh no maybe no, not. I, no maybe he, he like he, he distracted from the moment said something completely yeah, different. i don't yeah. think yeah. he That's says what anything because i was sitting there waiting and i realized he didn't say anything and i'm like what would you want to hear in that situation would you want to hear yes or i would think you hear i no? think i think in that moment it's it is it is ex- explicitly clear to the audience and schofield that blake is going to be dead within the next minute minute yeah. and so at that point it doesn't matter whether he tells them that, that, him that or not. And I think that's the like, thing they recognize. It doesn't matter. Yeah. it And that happens in quite a few movies where that, that mm-hmm. I mean, essentially verbatim, that same sort of scene will happen where someone gets blown the fuck up usually yeah. and is dying and is asking for 
asking, you know, as, oh, am I dying? Am I dying? And, and how every different character handles that. Most of the time, I feel like it's, no, no, you're fine. God damn, I'm getting flashbacks. Same time, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I guess, obviously, you know, that leads me to my question, which is obviously we've yeah you've at least taylor have seen saving private ryan multiple times mm. shannon mm. i don't know if she's seen it multiple times actually i've she's only seen, seen it once. once i've actually only seen it once. oh well then i guess that that will that brings me to my question is the rewatchability of 1917 mm. would you watch it again fuck yeah fuck Do you yeah. want to watch it again hell yeah okay <laughs> i'll watch right now <laughs> all right well, there you go i guess that answers my question yeah i, I think that allowed to say fuck on these platforms yes yeah <laughs> have you not been swearing this whole time because of that? No, but I was just thinking say, about it. I'm say like, fuck. Oh, oh my oh, god! Oh, Wait, no. hold on. Oh, We're drinking dude. alcohol in this podcast and you're concerned about saying fuck? I don't know. What if we get banned off of the no, social she's... media platforms? The social media platforms? <laughs> There's no freaking way. <laughs> YouTube. Oh, fudge sickles. Oh, fire truck. Oh, dang it. What if we like playing Ned Flanders time to Shoot. All right, Shannon. <laughs> For everybody listening, Shannon has the <laughs> most sailor mouth of anybody I've met. And meanwhile, she's over here like, oh, what the frick? Oh, dang it. I have such a bad mouth. And we learned let this loose, weekend girl. where that comes from. Yeah, let, <laughs> let loose. Dad's side is the same Well... I think we're Old basically we're basically coming to a close here as we swear and pretend to swear and don't swear, which it it I think I could speak for all of us. Mm. I'll still allow everyone to say what they're gonna rate it. But it allow. seems oh yeah, this did you not know I'm actually taking this is a hostile hostile takeover of this Are you podcast. The boss? I actually am the boss, and this is um, my podcast now. Oh damn! No, I what I was gonna say is I think it's obvious. Maybe not. That this is a five star movie from all of us. Oh yeah. And so I was gonna pass it around, but it seems clear to me that. <laughs> oh, is Shannon gonna rebel? Just oh, yeah. <laughs> what would you rate it, Shannon? I was actually gonna give it six stars. <laughs> Eleven stars. <laughs> I can already tell you're gonna say something stupid like that. <laughs> all right. So oh, yeah, no! five stars. Yeah, five stars from everyone, and I, you know. If you have anything extra to add, I would ask it, but I, I think... Wait, 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 wait. I would like to actually officially give it 57 stars. Oh, fun. <laughs> I think this this certifiably yeah. can be known from at least us at this table that it's like a masterpiece. Should we um should we make this like an official, like, uh, like for movies that, ex- that reach a certain standard of, like, excellence in filmmaking? I think if we all give a movie five stars, it should go into a category. Yeah, yeah. It should be like... Um, we should give it like a special label, like um, top shelf. Yes, it's top shelf. There you go. Shelf. Top shelf okay. movie. Like yeah. Yeah. Five stars movie. from everybody. Yep. Top shelf. Yeah. It it yep. is that good. Mm-hmm. Any closing thoughts from anybody before we wrap this bad boy up? I think that we should just thank our military men and women. Agreed. For their yeah. service. Yeah. No. Because. Hundred percent. Every time I watch a war movie, I'm mm-hmm. just fucking blown away, freaking blown away by the shit that they go through. And that's yeah. not even quite reality. That's not even reality. Yeah. Right. I mean, we're seeing dramatization. Y- well, yeah, we are seeing yeah. the very clean version of what they go through in war. And it's just 
it's insane. Well, to that point, one of the things that I looked into when like looking like behind the scenes of like say like discussions of same prior Ryan and I really want to dive into like discussions about 1917 but with Saving Private Ryan, the one of the common things I hear is that one of the reasons why it's such a revered movie, not just because of the quality so of the film itself. It, exactly, it's so mm-hmm. accurate. Like, for, I think there have been a couple of comments for those who actually were there on, you know, D-Day, and, you know, they got a chance to see the film, like, fuck, yeah, that, um, that felt about right, type of deal. Like, any type of, like, any soldier from, like, any type of conflict or anything of that nature, when they look at that film... They say, yeah, that's pretty damn close to, like, the visceral experience. And I wonder if 1917 has that same reception of, in terms of, not just a historical actually standpoint, but from the visceral experience of being a soldier, if it reflects the same case. And I hope it does. In, yeah. In terms of, like, being able to showcase that. And that adds, again, the benefits of a good quality film that is able to depict that type of experience because it helps those who have not or may never have that type of experience to understand from a sympathetic standpoint what that is like and be able to be like, you guys go through some shit. Yeah, as much as them. as much as it's like an adrenaline pumping action movie, right. a lot of the time war movies like this, like Saving Private Ryan nineteen seventeen, mm-hmm. do also give you an added appreciation, like Shannon was just saying, right. of like oh, holy shit it's this is no joke right this like, is like, way more than you might think it is even yeah. just during the air quotes downtime in 1917 mm-hmm. you are still feeling like anxious and like tense like, exactly is something going to happen mm-hmm. and i can only imagine that's what it's like in real the life. whole time there's bodies yeah. littered you all over never the place. Know what's yeah gonna happen so and you feel that in this movie when you're watching it and mm-hmm. it's just it's insane and it makes you appreciate yeah yeah so thank you yeah to all the service members thank you to all those that um those that have uh participated as well as you know are currently active in the military like holy shit you guys are awesome as fuck well and on that very somber note i'll cheers that and also bring us to our drink counter which we're drinking these tall guinness Mm -hmm. not really a, a chuggable alcohol shannon just cracked into her second one taylor just finished his first one I'm almost done with my first. So that's hey. a drink counter. Oliver doesn't really like stouts, but I'm on a stout kick recently. Really? Oh, I love them right Not now. Not a big coffee guy. Really? Nope. Wait, really? Yeah. Why do you think I'm so tall? For everyone listening, I'm actually <laughs> six foot five. Shut I'm the sorry. Fuck I'm up. sorry. Did you just actually <laughs> fucking just say that? I every time someone asks me how tall Oliver is, I'm like if you ask him, it's 5'11 and a half on a good day. Sir! Oh, I'm six foot on a good day. 5'11 oh on a bad day. Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I'm sorry. With that note, I'm going to close this out. I'm going to close this out. Fuck this. No, I'm done. All right. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, for listening to this episode of Cinema Hangover. And this is Taylor signing off. This is Shannon. Later, y'all. All right. Peace! I need another beer. <laughs>